the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Right after he was saved, Jay Hudson Taylor, the founder of the China Inland Missions in the 1860s, found out Jesus was coming back. His response? I guess I better be about his business. So you're redeemed. You have been saved. You've been bought with the blood of the Lamb for the purpose of spending eternity with Him. How are you going to live your life now? What do we do while we await the return of Jesus? Well, those are questions we're answering here today on this Friday broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Join us, won't you? How to live until Jesus comes. That's how we close out the week on this edition of Truth For Today. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one, he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Now, talent here doesn't mean you can play the guitar. This was a measurement of, uh, they did it in silver, gold. Uh, D.A. Carson takes it, we ought to do it in the way of wages. He says one talent was equal to 20 years worth of wages. So even the man that he gave one talent, it's a huge amount of money. And then five, two. So it's a measurement of money. Then he goes on this journey. And the man who received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents uh, brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to one who has the ten talents. 
For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. He's saying we need to wait as a slave who must improve his master's assets. The term servant here is really slave. Not American slavery. It was Roman Empire slavery. And the scriptures assumes everybody's a slave of something. John 8, you're a slave of sin. Romans 6, you're a slave of sin or of righteousness. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, you're a slave of God by divine purchase or not. You, you can't get out. It's Bob Dylan. You've got to serve somebody. Somebody is your master. And he entrusted these men with these financial resources. Some believe it was like a partnership that based on how well they did with it, they would get a, a greater cut, maybe a greater share of the company, of the assets. I mean, there would be reward for them ultimately. But two men go out and they increase the assets. They put them to work for the master. One guy just buries it and badmouths his master. He makes the master a hard guy. Uh, he starts blaming him for his expectations. And what Christ is saying is, uh, I want you to improve and multiply what I've entrusted to you. I'm going to entrust you with an IQ. Some of you are smarter than others in this room. Some of you have more financial resources. So what? What are you doing with them? Some of you have got better health than others. Some of you are going to live longer than the rest of us. If God should give you another 20 years, what would you get done for the master with them? Uh, if God keeps entrusting money, you know, I'll see some guys, I got all this money. And I'm going to say, this fool, tonight your soul's required of you. Then whose will the money be? If all you're living for is building bigger barns, Jesus says, you're a fool. Luke chapter 12. God gave you your money, didn't he? God's given you the health you have, hasn't he? God's given you the number of years. You know, anytime I complain to Elton that I've got aches and everything, he said, son, a kid, because he's only got 30 some odd years on me. He's basically saying, come on, get over it. You're just a child. I said, but I feel old. Don't look for mercy there. What are you going to do if God lets you live another 10 years? What will you do for the master? Or have you buried everything he's given you into you? Is it all about you? What is Jesus Christ getting done through you? That if we buried you, some of you will almost have to have a good imagination to come up with anything you did for Christ. So you want a good, good liar to give the eulogy. What are you doing for Christ? When the master comes back, whether it's morn, noon, he's going to say, hey, I gave you all this stuff. Man, I gave you the ability to make money beyond the ordinary or uh, I'll let you have a, a college degree and you're able to make this kind of income. Uh, or, man, you're talented, you're quick, you're this, that. What are you doing for Jesus? Well, I, I've just buried it. 
And when he comes back, I'm going to just say, look at here, I've kept it until you got back. Here it is. He said, you mean you never made it work? You never put it in the market? You never shared it? I gave you these assets to multiply, to, to increase for my glory and honor. These other men did it. Why didn't you? Well, I viewed you as bad. You're a hard man. He said, you're a wicked man and you're a lazy man. And I'm going to cast you in outer darkness. It scares me to see how many inactive Christians there are. Many have chased the American myth of retirement. That uh, you accumulate enough money so you can uh, be free from a job and uh, visit grandchildren, uh, make trips, uh, pour myself into hobbies, maybe go to church once in a while. A lot of folks just, just pay a, a visit. But don't, don't, don't take any responsibilities because I've paid my dues. I've worked. So, so God ought to kill you as soon as you retire because you're not going to contribute anymore. You've made your contribution. So 65, because you might as well get the best, go to heaven. Did you ever think God might let you retire early so that finances are covered so the rest of your life you might spend two years on a mission field helping some poor missionary couple labor, help take care of the kids, help do a Francis Sylvester and go to Bangladesh and use your medical skill to work in a hospital. Did you know he might let you retire early and cover the money so you can start doing ministry and visiting hospitals? Jim Snyder is our hospital pastor. He's retired, but he's the one that visits everybody in the hospital. Just tell me. I don't want to just lay around, Pastor. Tell me who's sick. I'll be, I went with him one day. We consumed six hours just going to San Francisco here and there. I said, man, Jim, this is why we got you as pastors. You never get anything done. Of all we did was go to the hospital. He said, I'm retired. I want to do this. My brother retired when he's 55. Eventually, we took him on as seniors pastor. We give him a little pittance token just to make him feel humbled that we throw a little money. He's already got his living covered. He makes more money. He said, the church costs me more in taxes than what you give me. So what are you even giving it for? So we're going to try to renegotiate that. <laughs> but he's 72 now. We got 17 years of free service out of the man. He's the one who oversaw these buildings. Not, not as pastors. Here's an elder. Talk to him. Ask us how much hours we spent to figure out how to build this building. He just wore me out. He, Rich and I one day were in the office, and he comes over, and, and this way he's mean to his uh, younger brother. That's me. And, and he came in there, and he said, because um, I never wanted to build buildings. I hate paying mortgages. How, all the church said amen. I kept looking for warehouse buildings or something we don't... And I don't, I can meet anywhere. Boy, if you've been in this church, you've met everywhere. And all the saints from Rio, no. When you pull up to the church and on the, the marquee says, white chicks, you know, you're, you're in a weird place. That was up on the marquee, wasn't it? Well, he came over and he said, you know, um, uh, you know what? We finally got in this building. He came in one day, talked, says, you know what? We need to start planning to build another building. I said, you're out of your mind. I'm figuring out the book of Revelation, and we don't need another building. He said, no, I know your type. He told me this. I know your type. What is my type? 
He said, someday you're going to just say, here's the need, and we should have another building. And you're going to look at the men and say, give us a building. He said, it takes about five years before we can ever build. I said, you're crazy. He said, no, because you don't know anything about permits, planning, city. You just say, we need it, and there it is. And I said, well, what is it? And both Rich and I said, well, if you want to get started, kind of tell us what it, you know. We said, go out there and do it. He got the architect, Alex. They started meeting, hours of meetings. He finally bring something to a board meeting. What do you guys think? Oh, it looks good. Get it. Man, man, David, I'm in the book of Romans. I don't need to be bothered with prints. I'm doing spiritual stuff. I'm in. I'm heavy into God. You're out here thinking like a businessman. And finally, after about 12 hours of meetings, we finally get a set of prints because he did all the legwork with Alex and everything. And now, by the time we dedicated, I just stood before the church. See, I've led you to greener pastures. And the Russian proverb says that success has many fathers. I'm one. Failure is always an orphan. It was him. He said, we might have a long wait. Why don't we occupy till he comes? Why don't we strategically plan so our old folks don't have to be in freezing buildings? See, you've got to have this balance. One is he's coming any moment. Let's get ready for Jesus to come. Jesus said, why don't you work until I come? Let me find you praying when I come. Let me find you giving when I come. Let me find you serving when I come. Not staring. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Oh, baloney. Quit that false kind of uh, eschatology. This eschatology makes you work. It makes you pray. It makes you give. I'm going to work till he comes because when I get to heaven, all my working days are over. I've got to do all my serving and giving down here because there I've got it made. Well, anyway, God's going to ask you someday, what have you done with everything I've invested in you? Finally, I've got, I'm over, I'm right on just like the first service. Ten minutes, just stretch like that, David, like you're yawning. And I'll, I'll promise, sorry, I'll stop or I'll confess the sin of go, keep on going. Okay. Uh, look at verse 31. Then we close right here. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Now dispensationalists make the brothers Jews. 
I'm not convinced of that. Because the only time Jesus referred to anyone as a brother were his followers. And it wasn't just Jews. Whoever follows me is my brother. So I don't make that just Jews. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angel. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger? By the way, they call him Lord, because by this time, everybody is forced to call him Lord. Even the unsaved. When did we ever see you this way? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Let me just briefly say this. We want to wait as people who unselfishly and unconsciously give to the brothers of the king. And I I use the word unconsciously because both the righteous and the unrighteous are unconscious of the fact that what their deed was, that Christ was involved in it. They did it. When did we see you this way? And even the wicked say, when did we ever see you hungry? They're unconscious, which seems to be that their service is uh, spontaneous, uh, unselfish, but they're unconscious. It, It seems to go this way. Oh, give to this man and ooh, Someday Jesus is going to give you a reward. No, they finally says, I see one of the brothers of the king. And as you read the book of Acts, the church and the book of Hebrews, the church is being persecuted, thrown in jail. All the way through church history, the brothers of Christ have been persecuted, hunted, killed, starved, martyred. And he said, the manifestation of the righteous sheep in the earth is the way they treat my brothers. You see, the liberals took this, and they said, we must be in social causes, and you just feed anybody that's hungry or poor, and you've done it to Jesus. Uh, We ought to be good to the poor. We ought to help people. I want to thank this church that 70 families among you took 70 poor people, projects and elsewhere, and you delivered food, gifts, and love to 70 families in this area. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to thank you people that in 2009, your giving exceeded our budget. We spent more than our budget for some other items, and we've been running a deficit. But your giving was greater in 2009 than it was 2008. The recession didn't keep you from giving. God bless you. I want to also thank you for the pastoral gifts that we didn't know that there'd be any handed out to all the staff. We handed out to many people because we didn't know you gave so abundantly. We were able to provide for many people that had made their Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to know that. But what he says here, someday the king will say, I'm going to reward you for the way you treated my brothers. I've had a persecuted church for 2,000 years, and everything you've ever done 
for my people. I'm going to reward you. And he's going to say to these goats that are unconscious that what they were withholding, they were really withholding from the king. Because you remember what he told Saul. Saul, why are you persecuting me? I don't know if you know this. Hear me well. Hear me well. Whatever you do for the least child of God, the king will remember it. That's why when I was praying with the men this morning, and I thought of my pastor friend, if I say, I thought, do we get involved? Do we not? And the brothers in Christ said, give them an opportunity, pastor. Uh, have you ever done something for someone that was too poor to ever pay you back? I had a man came up this morning. He handed me this deal. He says, I like to take a month's mortgage, $1,600. I, I looked at him. I said, have you ever been poor? He said, you're kidding. I was poor most of my life. But I can now give because I know what it is to be a poor boy. Could I pay a month's mortgage? He said, I didn't even bring money. But here's the number. Have Ron Hughes call me on Monday. And I'll give him where he can get the money. Whatever you do, how should you wait? We ought to wait as people that are good to the king's brothers in the meantime. We ought to wait as people that God's going to ask us, what have you done with what I invested in you? We ought to be preparing like he may come tomorrow, but we're going to be ready if he holds out another 100 years. We're going to plant churches. We're going to start Bible colleges. We're going to train young men and women. We're going to do children's ministry. We're going to work till Jesus comes. We're going to pray till he comes. And we're not looking for a place in Montana to get a cave and just look. No, he's going to ask, what were you doing when I came? So well, I was doing nothing. He said, you give every evidence you're wicked. It's the wicked that won't be doing anything. It's like some of you, you need to learn to give this year. Uh, we got many people in our role that don't give $100 every two years. I'm going to move, but the board removed the names. We don't need people on our roles that don't give. You, you don't have to, you can attend this church and not give, but don't, you don't deserve to be a member. No, 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 no. That's hypocrisy. Don't, don't belong to something you won't support. Jesus gave eight marks of a believer tied to money. Only when you're saved will you want to take care of the king's brothers. When we give money to one another, to missions, this is the king's brothers. And someday we shall see the king. And the king has kept good books. When you're dismissed, if you want to give there's a Bible. We'll see to it that the check gets to this family. They're trying to raise $9,000. The daughter's borrowing 9000 to pay for the funeral. They're broke. And whatever you do for this man and his wife, she'll be dead within a week. He said, if I could just keep buying medicine till she dies, she's only got a week. Father, I pray, let us go into the new year. Living like Jesus may come tomorrow or a hundred years from now. It won't matter. We want to pray, work, give until he comes. No matter when, no matter when, you will keep us until the end of the age whenever you've set that time. Let us faithfully love, serve, and cling to you 
until you come. And all the church said, Amen. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you to bring you truth for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. Another way to reach out to us with your questions would be to simply record them on your voice memo app on your smartphone and then email that audio to tftquestions at valleybible.org. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Our website, truthfortodayradio.org. And if you're writing to us, the address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. If you have questions about the ministry of Truth For Today and how we are funded to air on this radio station, we would love to talk with you. We are listener-supported, quite simply, and no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, it all goes back into the radio ministry, ensuring that it airs on this radio station. So would you consider that as you reach out to us here at Truth For Today? One other note as we close out our time today, while Pastor Phil is the pastor emeritus at Valley Bible Church in Hercules, we are still very much a part of this body And if you are looking for a church, we would invite you to join us. Now, we know that this current crisis has us all sequestered away. So you can join us at valleybible.org, where we stream our services. Again, valleybible.org. And then, as we find ourselves released from this quarantine, we will be meeting together here in Hercules. And for information, directions, and details, again, visit valleybible.org. And then we invite you to come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Blessed be the name.